This is John Beethan with AlternativeHealthTools.com, the podcast, and this is episode 49, titled Kalos Transformational Healing, Grandma's Magic, with Jacqueline Price. It's subtitled, The Body is a Treasure Map for the Soul. Then I started studying and I wanted to go to school. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find a PhD program that could be specialized for me. I wanted to find something I could do philosophy and psychology and nutrition and acupuncture. Mm. I, I wanted to be holistic before I even knew what holistic was. And um, they're going, There's you ought to find a specialty school because we can't do that. You know, I'm applying at Berkeley. And <laughs> they're like, uh, no. <laughs> so eventually um, I'm on the phone with my grandma. Mind you, I'm one of 42 grand and great grandchildren. (laughs) Mm. So I reach out to her and we're chatting because I'm just thinking, gosh, I really want to be closer to grandma. And she's the the witchy grandma, you know, I want to know more about what she does. And so I'm telling her about all these PhD programs I'm applying for. And she goes, oh, honey, you know, that's what I do. (laughs) I was like, you do what? She's like, yeah, holistic health. I am a naturopath. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that, Grandma. But what does that mean? What is a naturopath? You know, and so she she's like, you need to come to my next seminar in Seattle. And the great part about my healing process and mm-hmm. how it's brought me closer to the work that I do now is that I have found the message in disease for me. So what my my belief is that whenever the body is speaking to us through pain, disease, discomfort, whatever it is, it is attempting to give us a message. And so if we get the message, the messenger is free to go. Welcome back to AlternativeHealthTools.com. This is the podcast where we actually talk with alternative healthcare practitioners and experts and sort of find out, always more interested in finding out who they are. You know, I like to know who people are. So today we have Jacqueline Price, who uh, in a minute we're going to find out how we got connected. So why don't you just uh, yeah, hi there. say hi. Yeah. <laughs> hi. So happy to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you. So, uh, yeah, once again, we we're trying to make the connection. Lisa Thorpe and I started Alternative Health Tools, the podcast, about two years ago. And the reason we got started doing it is because I had met her at a fair that she had put on mm-hmm. uh, right outside the Thorpe Institute at Lucadia Boulevard and the 101. Oh, okay. And there's that little park. And I was so impressed with the people there that uh, I just gave her a big hug after the event and thanked her for having me there. And she invited me to a lunch on Wednesdays where, the, where they used to do a lunch and alternative healthcare people would show up. And I was just amazed with the people. And so mm-hmm. I, I said, I have 10 years experience podcasting and I'd, I'd love to like start one with you. And so we started. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so how did you get connected? Because this show is not about me. It's about you. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, good. Well, I don't mind talking about me a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting, actually. So I'm somewhat new to Encinitas. I've been in the San Diego area for a little over a year, mm-hmm. um, on and off, uh, for the last two years. But From where originally? Um, originally, the San Francisco Bay Area. That's where I was born and raised. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had uh, lots of experiences all over California. Mm-hmm. So many travels and living situations. Over eighteen different like 
Oh, really? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, so since I've come to Encinitas, um, I've only really been here since October. So mm. maybe like maybe six months, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and I made some friends in the mm-hmm. alternative uh, field, and mm-hmm. they introduced me to Lisa. It was um, on the web. And so they just highly recommended me. And so she nice. went for it. She was like, okay, let's talk. Let's find out who you are. Okay, that's awesome. Let's do this. Okay, so. good. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been picking up the interviews for a while. And uh, so uh, getting um, sort of back to who you are and stuff, uh, some of your passions in the world. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been doing what you do? Oh, well, professionally, yeah. <laughs> probably for three years, I'd uh-huh. say, professionally. Um, it's Even three years ago, though, it was a side project. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have clients, but it was still building. And um, and I'm still moving into it being completely my, my main source of my income. Mm-hmm. But um, this type of work is something that I've been interested in my whole life. Um, yeah. Yeah, because my grandmother... Is the one that inspired me. Oh, really? Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, what? How did that come about? So, she was known as kind of the witchy grandma. You know, oh, she had a she had a fun. reputation. <laughs> yeah, and she's she'd come over to the house. Yeah, I remember being six years old, and she's muscle testing me. And, really? Uh huh. And uh, she found that I was dyslexic. She had me do certain exercises. My reading improved. Um, things like Fabulous. that. And so it was just like, wow, grandma's, grandma's magic, you know? Yeah. And so grandma's magic. Mm-hmm. We might have to name that show, the show that <laughs> grandma's magic. I think that's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just always wanted to follow in her footsteps. I wanted to mm-hmm. be, um, traveling the world, giving seminars, doing, mm-hmm. you know, doing talks and teaching people. And I really didn't know what she did. I really mm-hmm. didn't most of my life. I just kind of knew she was magic. And, um, when I I graduated college with a degree in art, nice. originally wanting to be a psychologist, a neuropsychologist, actually. So I'm really oh, wow. interested in the brain. Yeah, we can talk a lot about that. Yeah, I, love I have an interest in it as well. <laughs> so I studied yeah. a bit of that in college. Um, and, uh, you know, actually, I, I had a traumatic brain injury in high school. So there was a, a limited amount of studies that uh, I felt capable of because of my counselors and my parents and everyone saying, you know, oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, you know, you're going to so waste So do you money. want to talk a little bit about that? Or? You might as well. It's part of the story. Well, there, it's, all... it's, it's, it's unusual to have a guest on this show that hasn't had some sort of health issue of some sort in mm-hmm. their life that, that sprung them into the field that they're now practicing. Yeah. So you're no exception. Yeah. So, well, welcome goes... to the club. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So what was that all about? Uh, so at 16, I was in. Uh, I was a passenger in an auto accident, mm. and I died for four and a half minutes. Mm. Um, was in a coma for about a week, mm. and on and off the last three days, coming in and out of consciousness. When I came out, I had the mentality of an eight-month-old, and so they put me in a um, a rehab for brain-injured people, thinking I'd be a vegetable the rest of my life. And um, in a matter of six months, I was back in high school. Wow. Yeah. What was the turnaround? um, Oh, the reason, you think? I was, well, it's very spiritual. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you've you've been listening to this show in the last three or four episodes, it's been all about that. Mm -hmm. So good. Good. So, so just let us let it out. I guess I will. Okay. So um, there was a point 
mm-hmm. I remember, and I've did some regression around this too, just healing mm-hmm. myself. And uh, a point when I was in the coma that I remember being out of my body, and I remember looking down at the body, going, "Oh, <laughs> that's a choice to be in there." A choice. Mm-hmm. I could choose. I could choose to be in there, or I can choose to not be in there. And um, I remember my dad being kind of over my bedside, and um, it was really sad. And and I felt I just wanted to try again. You know, I mean, I was sixteen. I messed up a lot. I was a really uh, rebellious kid. So, um, and believe it or not, like before the accident, I I would say that I didn't like who I was at all. Yeah. And so um, I, when I chose to come back in my body and realize that death wasn't necessarily something I needed to be afraid of, um, that I really just wanted to try again and I had things to live for and I had a newfound purpose for living, um, all of a sudden life made sense. And I came into my body with the inability to speak, walk, talk, eat, read, write, everything. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I would be fine. I knew it. There was just no doubt in my mind. And so although I couldn't communicate that, I couldn't even, you know, sit up and walk somewhere and show somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that it would be, it would all work out. So I pushed myself really hard, and for six months um, in the, you know, I, I was in the ICU for part of that, and then in the rehab mm-hmm. for part of that, and doing physical, occupational, and speech therapies, and learning a lot about my brain. Going to a neuropsychologist who taught me all about it. So what was, yeah, what was the takeaway on that one? The that, number one thing. The number one thing I think is that. Understanding how the brain works helps people to have peace around where they are in their process. Understanding and, how the brain works allows people to have peace in their process. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what worked for me is when she said, you know, there's a couple things she had said to me, something like, because mm-hmm. I was very impulsive. Mm-hmm. They had to blend all my food up in a blender and give it to me, and it was like cat food, and I hated it. Um, but she would say, you know, this the reason why is because you're very impulsive, and the reason why you're impulsive is because with brain injuries and short-term rehabilitation, people become violent and impulsive. It's just how the brain works. So over time, this will fade, but you just have to, you know. So it's it's the way your spirit and your brain and your body come uh, fight back. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. fight back to life? Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, it definitely yeah. feels like it's um, and and more so. I yeah, it's coming back in because it's fighting because it wants to be here, mm-hmm. and now it's just like it's hungry for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the same time, it's also just understanding from the observe like the observatory position mm-hmm. that. Um, my brain will do this, and then it will do this, and then I will be fine. And understanding that timeline was really important for my healing because it was like, it's really hard for me to look at this page right now trying to read a book, and everything was blurry, and I couldn't keep my eyes on one line. Mm-hmm. And it took me you know, three hours to read a paragraph. Wow. But I would yeah. sit and I would read, and I would try until my eyes began to focus because I, I had, did have some muscle um, damage in my eyes and my because of all the neck trauma. Mm-hmm. So there was, you know... All that. But, you know, what it all led up to really was me waking up as a new person. I had a new voice. I had a new lease on life. I had a, a new vision for who I was. And I was full of peace. I was full of passion for living and helping others and service. And, you know, my sister, she came up to me maybe three years after the accident and said, you know what? You were so mean to me before the accident. I kind of wanted you to die. Mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of hated you. And when you came back and you were so nice, I didn't know what to do. I hated you even more. Well, you did die. <laughs> right? You did die. I did. And I was born again in a in the more spiritual sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all because 
of a choice. Yeah. You made a decision. I made the choice and I did it did feel more empowering and mm-hmm. that I would have this this decision to be this person now, that this is who I want to be. It's more true to my nature. And all the other stuff was trauma and daddy issues and acting out of anger because he wasn't around as much as I wanted him to be. And, you know, and then coming into, you know what, I've got a much bigger daddy. (laughs) I don't need to worry about that. And uh, my dad's awesome. Um, But, you know, when you're younger, you have those things. Oh, sure. Sure, I did. Mm -hmm. I ran away. Oh, yeah, I did, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was good. Interesting what happens. I left home at 17. I did, too. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we're the leaders. Yeah. (laughs) The leader type. It's just, I, my sense was that there was something more. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I felt, too. And and, And a lot of it was the rules that were given to me just didn't fit the way I wanted to live my life, you know? Mm hmm And there was a girlfriend involved. Oh, yeah. Always a girl. Yeah. Or a boy, right? (laughs) Or a boy. There was always a boy for me. There was. Yeah. 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 But that, so at 16, after the accident, coming back into school and finally relearning how to walk and all that, um, I left home at 17 against my parents' um, better judgment uh, because I knew I only had a year till my brain would reach its uh, plateau and its ability Mm. to kind of bounce back. And so I really needed to stretch myself, and my psychologist told me that. And so I, man, I signed up for 17 units, and which to me was a lot because 12 is the average. And um, I went to school full time, and I I got C's, but I passed. And you know, it was it was a challenge. Um, they had told me because of my brain injury, I should have a note taker and I should have more time on tests. Mm. And I had all the, but I never took advantage of it because I just thought I don't want to be babied. I really want to push myself. I really want to. I want to do this the hard way. I've kind of always been like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure before the accident, that rebellious nature probably was an asset for you being able to turn this thing around and be, you know, to make it happen. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have the drive and the desire. And yeah, I had a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of the yeah. drive. I mean, I was at the door of my therapist on the dot. It's like, well, it's 3.01. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So um, it was. I had a really big desire to heal. Oh, that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, what I love about podcasting is, you know, people can see themselves in you, right? Mm-hmm. People can just see, oh, wow, you know, something and, and maybe take away some wisdom from your experience. So then uh, where did you go from there? So I was in college. It took me about seven years to graduate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, I, and I was married at one point. I clung on to the first boyfriend I got in, in college, even though I told myself I wouldn't date till I graduated. And I just clung on to that first guy. And we were together for a total of five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I divorced him. And, um, yeah, that was just a chapter that needed to be closed. <laughs> it was just all codependency. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and it was very challenging to m- my boundaries, finding my boundaries with people, especially verbally. Mm-hmm. And so he was he was a very interesting uh, human, and I had a lot of compassion for him, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to see him do well. And um, the the less and less he did well, the the more I got kind of, you know, I got kind of tired. Mm-hmm. So what as a mirror? What did he reflect back to you? Mm, um. 
I would say that's an interesting question, especially because I do these kind of things, but I've never thought about it that way with this one. Um, you know, he was in the middle of this struggle, this mm-hmm. spiritual struggle. It was always heaven and hell, and he even had his his body um, tattooed. All one side was like really angel, angelic and, and beautiful, and the other side was like demonic. And he would say his body is the battleground. And I just thought, oh man, <laughs> you yeah. know, poor guy. And so uh, I, I wanted to be the savior. I was walking into the savior archetype. I, I wanted, to, wanted save. to save him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I finally realized that it was not in my power to do that. And so I, I walked away and saved myself. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I did. Yeah. And, um, and then I, I actually switched majors to art. So I mm-hmm. was, um, went from psychology to art. And uh, I was a painter of, like, uh, I did acrylic. I did oil, but mostly abstract. And I loved painting. It was my therapy. And I really only graduated college because I loved the therapy of it. Yeah. You know, that was, I didn't really care to graduate. That wasn't really a goal of mine. I've never thought about life that way, I guess, mm-hmm. in this like timeline of things you need to get done. But my whole family kind of pushed for it. And so I said, all right, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in something fun. And so I went and got an art degree. So basically what you're talking about is art therapy. Yeah, it was taking yourself through Mm -hmm. art therapy. Mm -hmm. I have a story I won't (laughs) share with you right now. Maybe after the show about experiencing that myself. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. Oh yeah, and finding your expression for me that was a big part of it is finding that Mm -hmm. ability to express myself. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, for me it was about getting out of the way and just let it happen. Let the spirit, whatever, take over. So most of my most of my work, it was more about the process. I was never looking at a tangible result like a... Yeah, either was I. Oh, okay. I see what you mean now. Yeah. yeah. It's just like get out of the way and do it and then step back and go, wow, I did that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, look. So, okay, so how do you... Do you integrate that into your work? Uh, I do a bit, not necessarily... Um, hands-on. I mean, I do teach a class once a month Mm -hmm. in North Park called Artful Vision Questing. And um, that's the second Monday of every month. And we do, I'd lead a meditation Mm -hmm. and then me and a friend uh, teach an art class. Nice. Yeah. And so people can artfully express what they meditated on. Very nice. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what's your website? JacquelinePrice.com. There you go. Mm -hmm. We'll uh, include everything we're talking about in the show notes for everybody that knows. And and just so people, maybe if they don't know and you want to share what we're doing here, is that if you go to the uh, our website, alternativehealthtools.com, there's actually, we have an app. It makes it really easy to like keep up on the shows and stuff. But uh, we'll include all the show notes and stuff so people can. I, I want, if you're listening, I want you to take this art class if you're anywhere <laughs> close. Yes, please come. Yeah, I also do one other monthly class. So that art class is once a month. Mm-hmm. And then on every Tuesday, uh, mm-hmm. Eve in Encinitas. I Eve do, is fabulous. Eve is awesome. No, yeah. when's that? I would go there. Yeah, it's Tuesday nights. Um, Tuesday nights. At 6.30, we meet for food, and we eat together there. Everyone 6.30 just, Tuesdays. And then 7.30, we do a meditative circle. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I'm tied up in a class uh, for one more week, but... Uh, After that, we'll be there. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. and sometimes I bring in guests, musical guests, to play live music while we meditate, or oh, really? um, special speakers that might share insights. I'm so glad we're talking. I, I love know. this. <laughs> I, I want to... I wanna, 
help support it. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. I and mean, that's part of my thing about moving to Encinitas. It's like I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico most of my adult life, 24 years. So Encinitas is a lot like Santa Fe. There's a lot of rich culture uh, and a lot of activism and mm-hmm. uh, not your normal nine to five whatsoever. Yeah, that's funny that you say that. I've always been drawn there. I've never been, but I've always Santa been Fe? drawn there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. Make sure you give yourself enough time. Yeah. And there's, uh, talk to me before you go if it's anytime soon and we still know each other. Whatever, because there's a lot of places I can tell you to go that nobody knows about. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I've had some pretty amazing experiences there. We, we're getting to know you pretty well, and there's a lot of rich experience at such a young age. Yeah, that uh, a lot. Yeah, you've been through a lot that, you know, I'm, you know I, I can just tell that you're present in life, and you... I mean, people would want to be around this, you know. So what else What else do you do? If, do you work individually with people as well? I do. I work individually. That's most of my practice. And mm-hmm. then moving into teaching seminars and workshops and retreats. Nice. Yeah. So I've been doing those for a couple, like for the last year, I've been doing more seminars and workshops. Mm-hmm. And before that, just one-on-one clients. Oh, nice. So I, the teaching aspect is my favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite part. I love, I just love giving people tools. And supporting them to keep going deeper because mm-hmm. working right. one-on-one with people is really nice, especially for research because mm-hmm. I love to understand individual cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to share that with a big group and the takeaway is just so amazing. Yeah. Do you work with other people on these? Every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I do some collaborative workshops or something like that. Mm-hmm. 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 So I'm sort of curious. You say it's, um, you're working into it being full-time. What else do you do? Um, so I also make websites and oh, you do. flyers because I'm artsy and the stuff yeah. I've made people like, they're like, well, you make one for me. And I'm like, okay. So yeah. uh, it's great side income while I'm still building because I, sure. you know, it's new. Nice. So in this area. So I do that. Um, and then I also, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny how it fell in my lap. I've been caregiving and it's not oh, really? something that I normally do. I actually used to do it for a long time. I did it for four years um, during college. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a really good friend of mine came down with uh, cancer and you know, it was a relapse and he's been in and out of a wheelchair. And so for the last week, actually, so it's recent and it's not going to last much longer, but um, I've been helping him. So just uh, doing a lot of the work that I do with him as well, but cooking meals because I'm a nutritionist too and an herbalist, so he knows that having really? me around is special. So, <laughs> and so yeah, I've been helping him do that for for about a week now. Nice, nice. Tell me a little bit about herbology. What do you? Okay, so I mean, I have quite a few herbs that I like to use that are just my arsenal. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, yeah, so I I really love plant medicine when it's used for. Um, Especially things like calming the nervous system. I use like mm-hmm. passion flower and mm-hmm. I love my chamomile. And I had a friend that had scarlet fever and we healed it with an overdose of garlic. I mean, there's just really amazing things that herbs can do. So nice. Yeah. No, Finding, I know. Yeah, all their properties and being able to substitute that and get people off medication and, and substitute with herbs is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to be on medication, got myself off. Mm-hmm. Like, Me too. Oh, yeah. What was yours? Well, mainly from some health issues I had in 2009 related to the heart. Mm. And so on any kind of drug you can think of, like blood pressure, 
uh, stabilizing the heartbeat, that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is just cleaning up the diet, but also drinking really good, high-quality filtered, ionized, natural water with a m- lot of hydrogen in it. Yep, and your minerals. you got to get all those minerals yep. so the electricity is flowing. Yes. Did you take some hawthornberry? I, actually, there was a time where I'd done that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Strengthens the heart. And so. it actually strengthens it permanently. Yeah, me too. So actually... Um, I've been on a journey the last two years um, Mm -hmm. with an autoimmune disorder. Mm. And so it started as, um, actually, so it's all spiritual. It all comes back all the time. Because when we go off the path, we're reminded, exactly where are you going? (laughs) Come on back here. You have something more important to do. So I finally um, broke down. It was about two years ago. I was living in L.A. and West Hollywood. I was acting. I had seven jobs. And uh, I was way overworking myself. I was working seven days a week and just to pay rent in an apartment I didn't like, living with a, in a relationship that I wasn't totally satisfied in, mm-hmm. and um, just ready to start living, you know. And so I, I had a panic attack. The first one in my life, I thought I was having a heart attack. And the whole left side of my body went numb. Um, I was sweating. My heart was palpitating. I thought I was going to pass out. And being the herbalist, actually, that's when I was kind of finishing up school. Um, I run in. I grab the cayenne pepper. I grab the garlic. <laughs> grab the oregano. I'm just throwing everything in there. The chlorophyll, you know, mm-hmm. I just threw everything in there. And I got myself really worked up. I don't think that was the best thing to do when you're feeding an anxiety attack. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, for you know, I thought it was a heart thing. So I was really worked up. And... Um, it lasted about three days. I, I didn't calm down. It was just constant. And um, and then that kind of fed into uh, about a year and a half long mm. battle with panic and anxiety. I'd have up to seven attacks a day where I, I'd be in the fetal position crying, thinking I'm dying. Mm. And it was, it was horrible. Um, and I was afraid to go to the doctor. Because I didn't want them to tell me something was wrong and, and curse me, you know. Because I'm thinking, well, I could heal this. I can heal this. And every day we're just, it's going to get easier. And whatever it is, you know, I'll just clean up my diet. What would I do if I had a heart problem? I'm just going to do that. Instead of going to a doctor and having them tell me I have something wrong with me and then believing it. And so I, I, um, I actually monitored it with diet, with meditation. Hmm. And... Um, what happened, I think, is because of all the intense stress, I mean, to that extent and for that prolonged period of time, it wore down my adrenals, mm-hmm. wore down my thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, my thyroid started to become enlarged, and I developed hyperthyroidism. Mm. And so um, after about a year and a half, I had really done well monitoring myself, and the palpitations had you know, become so slim. It was just maybe a couple of weeks. Mm. And the panic attacks were really rare. I mean, really rare. Mm. And so I got to that point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the doctor now. I'm going to let them tell me that I healed myself and that I'm better, you know, did and you go? just for a checkup. I did. And I, when I went in, um, they felt my thyroid, they said it was enlarged. They sent me for ultrasounds. They sent me for blood tests. They came back and they freaked me out and they said, you need to be on medication. I don't know how you're not how how you're even functioning right now. And oh, I, but you need to get on medication. But you need to be on medication right away. <laughs> and I'm going, God, if that's how it is right now, I wonder what they would have said six months ago. You probably would have been ad- admitted to emergency or mm-hmm. a psych ward or... Yep, something crazy because I, yeah, that was, 
it was that intense. And so for me to feel that much. So, yeah. Do you feel like uh, if somebody came to you with some, some anxiety issues because of your own experience and knowledge with the mm. herbs and everything else, you might be able to help somebody? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. my specialty now. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people I could throw at you. And the reason I say that is, once again, coming from Santa Fe, and I don't know, I, I stay, what I learned from my health issue related to the heart was I don't get stressed about much anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. Yep. It just doesn't it's help. It's not worth it. And Well, it's not yeah. worth it, but it also isn't useful. It just tightens you up. Mm-hmm. And so there's no options available. You just go down this rabbit hole, this dark rabbit hole typically, right? Exactly. So meditation. Meditation helps. And, and you know, the thing, and this ties back into my practice now, is yeah. that um, the biggest part of it for me that I'm dealing with now is the subconscious. Because although mm-hmm. during the day, between the hours of mm, maybe 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., mm-hmm. I have no symptoms. But as soon as I become sleepy or mm-hmm. I'm, you know, or I'm in the morning still waking up, um, there's a lot of subconscious stuff still happening and in the middle of the night. And this is when I have um, my symptoms mm-hmm. still. So, Although now I, I weaned myself off medication, and I had an amazing naturopath that I worked with, actually, Dr. Amy Chadwick. She's local. She she's was, here? Yeah. she's um, She has an office in Salon, uh, what is Sereno Valley. Sereno Valley. And, Amy Chadwick? Mm-hmm. And it's called Soaring Crane Natural Health. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. Um, so working with her was just a blessing. And... Um, and so we got me off the medication and on to more herbs, and mm-hmm. um, and that that was just I really needed to know that I can do that, and so now it's monitoring with herbs just as needed. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm noticing now it's just kind of in the mornings when my adrenals are tired. If I didn't get enough sleep, I have to be in the routine. The routine is the most important thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a vata pitta dosha, if you know what that is. And I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> But I'm willing to learn. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? So, what, is, what system does that come from? So that comes from Ayurveda. Okay. And um, I'm not a practitioner of Ayurveda, but, um, but I know, know some, some good ones if you want some names. Um, okay. Why don't you drop one good one on the right. podcast here? Who Dave Levinsky. Dave Levinsky mm-hmm. in Encinitas? Here? Yep. He's Great. wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you got. And uh, so there's three doshas in Ayurveda. There's vata, pitta, and kapha. And so, what is a dosha? A dosha would be your constitution. Yeah, uh, your constitution. Okay. So it tells about your personality. It tells about your, um, you know, like how uh, how much moisture is in your skin. It tells about oh, your wow. body type. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it it basically is like a reading. And we're all a mixture of all the doshas, mm-hmm. but we usually have one prominent, one to two prominent. And so, my prominent ones are vata and pitta, mm-hmm. and. The vata dosha is um, the air. It's air. Mm. And so when I'm not grounded, so mm. when I'm in anxiety or, mm-hmm. you know, um, feeding that is going to just make it worse. So, for instance, I don't eat, I can't eat popcorn. I know it sounds really silly, but it's a really airy food. And if I have any tendency towards anxiety and I start eating popcorn, um, I actually start having heart palpitations. And it's very interesting. Yeah. And I'm not allergic to corn. But uh-huh. it's just, it's like it's too much air in the body. I guess we won't be going to the movies then, I know. <laughs> no movies for us. <laughs> uh-huh. but, and, so, and then the other one? Um, and so, and uh, I don't know a whole lot about all of them, to be honest. Okay. But yeah. No, um, this is fascinating. So what's impressive, what I really like about what you do is like, 
you become aware of something and then you just go find out how mm-hmm. it relates to you. Yeah. So if you can do that for you, it means you can do it for other people. Oh, yeah. I'm a researcher. I like to yeah. really dig deep. Exactly. How's um, that Periscope thing doing? Oh, let's. It's got a thing on there, but I'm sure it's fine. It just says low battery. Low battery. <laughs> It'll be okay. Hi. How's it going? How do we get the Periscope? So you'll on Periscope. It's an app, and no, I know my, I have Periscope. Okay, so my name is the map or map for the soul. Map for the soul. And same on, on Instagram. Periscope. On Instagram, map mm-hmm. for the soul. Great. Yeah, and uh, so what I was getting into yes. was really this idea that the subconscious stuff mm-hmm. needs to be healed. So it's really great to be able to eat right and meditate and have, you know, a conscious practice mm-hmm. around staying sane and centered and grounded. But um, then there's all the unconscious stuff. You know, a lot of a, a lot of my stuff would come up in the middle of the night. I'd hear a dog bark or something. Mm-hmm. It would shock my nervous system, and because my nervous system was already so collapsed, mm-hmm. um, just that tiny bit of excitement sent me off the off the charts. And so I would wake up with my heart just beating a thousand beats a minute. And um, it's just from a dog barking in the middle of the night or a bad dream, you know. And so having having the subconscious stuff healed is really supportive. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. We do mental, emotional reprogramming for people with chronic disease. Nice. Sweet. So quick question. Um, um do you view a difference between the subconscious and unconscious? Are they different or the same? Mm. It, just in your mind. I, I don't really care what the dictionary says. Yeah. But use the word subconscious. In my conversations, I usually use the word unconscious. Mm-hmm. I'd say that to me, they're the same. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Somebody and out there, if you have... disagree. Yeah. yeah, if you disagree, <laughs> just you know, go to go to our website and start a dialogue. <laughs> yeah, jump on the blab that will happen two weeks after this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like okay. to philosophize. So yeah, yeah let's well, talk good. You're going to love blab a lot because it's <laughs> totally interactive. It's the most engaging social network that I've seen in ever. It's oh, really really it's great. video. Yeah, I'll show yeah, you after the show. Out. Yeah. All right. Good. So, uh, wow, talk about diverse. It's I amazing. know. Yeah. yeah. It's so many things. So the, but the great part about my healing process and mm-hmm. how it's brought me closer to the work that I do now is that I have found the message in disease for me. You, you have know. found the message in disease. Mm-hmm. So what my my belief is that whenever the body is speaking to us mm-hmm. through pain, disease discomfort whatever it is confusion confusion any emotion mental right mental emotional physical it is attempting to give us a message and so if we get the message the messenger is free to go whether that's pain disease discomfort emotional okay so say that one more time okay so once you get the message Mm -hmm. the messenger is free to go powerful so powerful and so that no, I get it. Good, good, good. Because that's um, that is the basis of my work, and I and I've been working with more cancer patients recently, and mm-hmm. I've um, I've had a history of working with diabetes and mm-hmm. you know IBS and um, all the spectrum of chronic illness. Mm-hmm. So it's really um, it's it works, and that's what's that's what's important. It's awareness. It's awareness. Yeah, and and taking yeah. responsibility because in that process you take responsibility if if the message. You see, let's say your your heart, right? For instance, your heart stands for accepting yourself as you are or feeling like a stranger to yourself. 
So if you get the message that it's time to stop being a stranger to yourself and accept who you are, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to hear that and listen and say, oh, okay, I understand that's what my body wants me to do. Um, That's the first step. But unless you actually follow through and start accepting yourself as you are, that is when the messenger finally leaves because they can trust. Okay, so how does one accept the way they are? Mm, That's a process. (laughs) So it's about understanding who you are, because you can't accept who you are until you understand who you are, Mm -hmm. right? So that's diving into belief systems and, Mm -hmm. you know, thought patterns and things that really, why you are the way you are, why you're made up this way, and really Mm -hmm. falling in love with who you are, because you can't be anybody else. (laughs) Everyone else is taken. Everyone else is taken. And, and you know, it, what's so beautiful is even people that have been through the worst of it can look back at their lives and go, I'm glad this is the life that I lived. I, I don't think I'd want to live anything else, mm-hmm. you know. And I know that for me and everything that I've been through, it's, yeah, I've been through some trauma. Um, and, you know, I kind of glazed over it lightly with the with the marriage and with the, the other accident and things. But there's, um, but there's some deep-seated stuff that needed to be... Yeah. yeah, from my perspective, it's like, so what? Now let's take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because yeah. you don't need to stick in the story. Right. Because right. the story, that's, yeah, that's, there's so many great metaphors for that. But Yeah, so I've done, I've done a lot of the work of Iron Katie. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with her I'm work? not. So you must. <laughs> okay, I'll have to write it down. Yeah, so basically she asks four questions, which is, you know, and this is really sort of at the tail from my perspective anyway of just, People have a tendency to just believe their thoughts mm-hmm. without really questioning them. So she asks four questions. She says she has a worksheet. It's very simple. And the website is called thework.com. She's been doing it, I don't know, 30, 40 years and has 30, 50 million followers. I don't know. But the first question is, um, is it true? Mm-hmm. The second qu- question is, can you absolutely know that it's true if you answered Yes to the first one. And then the third one is, you know, so what is your life when you believe that's true? What's your life like? And the fourth one, I think, is uh, how would your life be if you didn't believe that? Mm. So most of the time, you know, we just have these thoughts, right? And we just believe them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it drives us and it informs our body and we, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. So you're doing great work. Yeah, because we need to reprogram it because that's you can't stay in those stories anymore. It's, I think that's. Oh, sure you can. It's a choice. I mean, you can. You can. It's a choice. It is a choice. But when you do, that's the, that's you be living in autopilot. That's not you living right. your life and and acting appropriately in in the circumstances that you're in. Appropriate it's, according to who? Well, appropriate for your soul, your truth. For you, mm-hmm. for who you are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So holding on to that stuff, I mean, that's I think that's one thing that I find really wonderful about um, the fact that I have some short-term memory loss. <laughs> you still do? Um, you know, I hold on to that story still, I think, but maybe it's not true. <laughs> it's good. I think you should ask yourself that question. I think and go I Go deep should. into it and go, can you absolutely know that that's true? I And I don't. I don't absolutely know that. I've been good. telling myself that for so long that it's just one of those, you know, so yeah. it's interesting when I catch myself in those stories. Yeah, so. I mean, I do the same thing, too. <laughs> I do the same thing, too. But to me, that's, um, rather than spend a lot of time in meditation, meditating, I try to, like, be awake, conscious, and do mm-hmm. the walking meditation thing, and be aware of 
be aware of what's going on in my mind in terms of the voice and being absolutely present for you and yeah. other people. I mean, I love that. I appreciate that. I noticed that with you. It's really, really refreshing. Yeah. 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 That we, we get to know each other at a deeper level too, which comes across the podcast. <laughs> we hope. I so think it does. Good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm really just curious. I mean, you have you have quite an orchestration in your life of things. And so I'm sort of getting the sense that when you discover something and you work with it and it works, then you just pull it in. Mm-hmm. So you've got this, your toolbox. It's not like the, well, the toolbox is getting bigger and bigger. you got a lot more tools. And then at some point, can you imagine just letting go of a lot of tools and really just having like maybe three main ones? Hmm. That's interesting. I'm, that's what I'm in the process of doing right now, actually, because mm. I have done so much from, you know, the fashion industry to being an fashion? artist. Mm-hmm. I had my own fashion line for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Parasol Project. <laughs> oh, that was the name of it? Mm-hmm. Parasol Project. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went You're not through- driven, are you? I'm not. I'm not very driven. I've been an entrepreneur since I was out of the womb. I, I used to. <laughs> yeah, I used to collect. Five my years old. Get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would collect my neighbor's flowers. Uh-huh. I'd pick them all, and then I would take them to my backyard and spin them in this old dryer we had sitting in the back. <laughs> it was not plugged in, yeah. and I'd spray them all with my mom's best Chanel perfume, <laughs> and then uh, and then I'd sell it right back to them. Oh really? <laughs> they thought it was the cutest thing. Oh yeah. So yeah. they thought it was cute and you oh, made yeah. money. That's they good. Made, they bought it. So yeah, <laughs> that's good. But so yeah. what other things did you? Oh, in that vein. Yeah. Um. So because th- these things are, I, I I think they're fascinating because they yeah. sort of like it's a structure, it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Like what's next? Well, just look at the look at everything that came before. So what else? Yeah. Well, I'd say just about every job I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, has led me to do it on my own. So, for instance, uh, another example is the way I got into being a, uh, in fashion. Yeah. I, I never was a seamstress. I never knew how to mm. sew. I was, you know, I didn't know the first thing. And um, and so one day I just decided I wanted to do it. Mm. So I had a girlfriend, and she brought her um, sewing machine over, and I had one sitting at home. My mom had bought it for me years ago, but I'd never done anything with it. I had, like, mm-hmm. one pattern sitting there that I'd never tried. <laughs> and I thought, you know, let's do it. So we went to the thrift store and we bought a bunch of shirts and uh, skirts and we just sewed them together, just tops to bottoms. It was nothing hard. Mm -hmm. And then we would sell them at fairs. Mm -hmm. And um, I got really into it. And I thought, wow, we we made a lot of money doing that. I'd like to try to make something else, something that I can create on my own. And so I started making my own dresses. And Mm -hmm. the insides of them were just horrendous. Like if you saw the sewing work, it was just, it was bad. It was not good. And so, but on the outside, it was beautiful and always fit perfect. And I, and I never measured. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not in conventional ways. No, not in conventional. It was all by the eye. I'm, that's how I play music too. And I'm not a musician, but um, that's another story. But basically uh, when I finally decided I wanted to really look at fashion and mm-hmm. really learn more mm-hmm. i started looking for jobs as a seamstress mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't know the first thing but um so in one of the job postings it was for david's bridal oh wow and yeah. uh they were hiring a, uh, a seamstress for their uh their wedding dresses or whatever mm-hmm. and and so i went in for the interview and they really liked me and they asked me how long i've been sewing and i told them you know not that long but i'm good and um, and they're like, okay, well, we'll send you down to the eight-hour um, test to find out 
all your skills. Eight hour test. It was an eight hour test in Sacramento because I was living in Chico at the time. And uh, so they paid for my transportation down there and they paid me to be there. And uh, I took a, I basically showed them what I could do on, on a sewing machine. And it was a big, huge brother sewing machine, which are these industrial ones. Yeah. They're all oh, metal. I know what they are. Yeah. And uh, the girl showed me how to take in a wedding dress and how to hem and how to do. A, and then I started making wedding dresses. Uh, yeah, outside of the place. <laughs> outside of the place, because they did not hire me so, for that. They knew I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. So they hired and paid you for you to learn and mm-hmm. leave and create your own thing. Yeah, exactly. Very smart. Very smart. Yep. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. It all just kind of, I went with the flow. I really thought I was going to get the job. Yeah. And when I didn't, I was just like, oh, well, that was great training. I guess I'll just do this on my own. <laughs> so I started a little clothing company. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, really sweet. I even ran into a woman one time at the airport who she recognized me because her son had bought one of my shirts and it was one of his favorite shirts. And nice. it, was, nice. it just touched so me. So how did it come about that that all stopped? And people are going, I thought this was alternative I health know, tools. I know, I <laughs> know. No, but it's, so it's called health and well-being also. And so exactly. we're, t- we're getting there. That's part of the well-being. Yeah. So I, I woke up actually on my 26th birthday. I'm aging myself. It's okay. Uh, I woke aging up- yourself? <laughs> Excuse me, but go ahead. I woke up on my birthday and um, I just lost the umph. You know, for fashion, yeah. they were at that lost week. The pa- passion. I lost it and lost the passion for fashion. I lost the passion for fashion. I really didn't care about the color of the year. I just stopped caring about it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what happened was, I had actually designed a line, a fall and spring line, and mm. I had a friend, and him and I were going to fly over to Bangkok, and uh, he had a pattern maker there, and he did. They did work really cheap, so we were going to be able to fly over and stay in his apartment there. And he was going to show me off to the people that he knew. And I brought. I had ten thousand dollars saved up, and I was going to make my line. And I already had a couple stores that were ready to carry my stuff. And um, cool. And I was ready to go. And all of a sudden, I just went, "Nope, this isn't it. Yeah. This isn't it." And I woke up on that birthday and. It was a really strange day. I meditated most of the day. I had been. I um, was living in San Francisco and Hayes Valley, and overlooking mm. the Bay Bridge and kind of this little loft place. And it was really beautiful. And I was sitting out on my um, fire escape, meditating in the sun. And uh, I just would move to different sunspots all throughout the day in my house, just thinking, "Gosh, oh man, I gotta do something different. I don't know what I'm gonna do." And I started researching, and and that that day, my uncle called me. And uh, he said, so how's the fashion going? I'm so proud of you. And I said, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. And he's like, (laughs) what? You can't just stop, you know. And I'm like, well, I I think I want to learn what grandma does. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now now we're full circle. Full circle. And he goes, no one one can do what grandma does. And he challenged me and I took the challenge. (laughs) Because I didn't want to take that answer. Yeah. And so you're not the kind of person you say, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. In the, you know what NLP is? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so NLP, they call that a polarity responder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't want to do that, and then you're going to go show me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I like NLP a lot, actually. Yeah, I do, too. I did it for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. So... Then I started studying and I wanted to go to school. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find a PhD program that could be specialized for me. I wanted to find something I could do philosophy and psychology and nutrition and acupuncture. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be holistic before I even knew what holistic was. Mm-hmm. And um, they're going, There's, you ought to find a specialty school because we can't do that. You know, I'm applying at Berkeley. And <laughs> they're like, uh, no. <laughs> 
So eventually, um, I'm on the phone with my grandma. Mind you, I'm one of 42 grand and great grandchildren. Oh my gosh. So I'm not, I don't, I'm like, I was not like in the lineup of kids that she would talk to very often. Mm. Um, I was lucky if she would call me like near or around my birthday. (laughs) Mm. So, um, anyway, I reach out to her and, we're chatting because I'm just thinking, gosh, I really want to be closer to grandma. And she's the, the witchy grandma. You know, I want to know more about what she does. And so I'm telling her about all these PhD programs I'm applying for. And she goes, oh, honey, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> I was like, you do what? She's like, yeah, holistic health. I am a naturopath. And I was like, oh, I, oh, I didn't know that grandma. That, what does that mean? What is a naturopath? You know? And so she, she's like, you need to come to my next seminar in Seattle. And so I, I flew up there in December. My birthday was in November. So that was a pretty quick turnaround to just yeah. jump into it. And, uh, so what's her name? Is she practicing? Mm-hmm. Well, she's, she's referring out to me now. She's kind of uh-huh. semi retired, okay. yeah. but her name's uh, Dr. Valerie Seaman Gersh. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. And she lives in Escondido. Oh, she now lives in Escondido. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, she's she's an amazing woman. She worked alongside the pioneers of applied kinesiology. Mm. Dr. George Goodhart was one of mm. her. Uh, he, she was one of his first students. Mm. And uh, Sheldon Deal with Touch for Health. Actually, if you've heard of that, um, Touch for Health I and Kalos were mm-hmm. kind of created around the same time because mm-hmm. they were good friends. Oh, and they nice. did a lot of research together. So you've managed to keep this in the family. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's yeah. pretty cool. No, it's very cool. And uh, you know, she's worked a lot with Bernard Jensen and yeah, Bernard. Just briefly, mm-hmm. so I studied seven years on Orcas Island at a place called the Lewis Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was metaphysical, health and wellness, world religion, a lot more. And that was from. Now I'm going to date myself. <laughs> 78 to 85. Uh-huh. So Bernard was on the board of directors. Oh, okay. And he, he came and did workshops there. So I knew him. Very cool. Yeah, Bernard and iridology and all of that. Oh, that's great. Actually, his yeah. grandson just reached out to me, um, no. John Jensen. Yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, he's local. Oh, really? And he does iridology. Oh, that's fabulous. He's, he's amazing. You should definitely yeah. check him out. Yeah, and then one of the, one of the semi-founders of the Lewis Foundation, they... Lewis and Star Fairies, they moved to uh, Phuket. Phuket in Thailand? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they star bought a uh, old, I guess a rundown little village there, a little little uh, resort, and built it up because that's the kind of guy Star is. He likes projects. And they put in a rejuvenation center based on all of Bernard's work. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they had people flying in from all over the world. Is it still there? Uh, it's been blown down twice by, by tornadoes or by tor- yeah, hurricanes, uh, hurricanes and stuff like and that. Those, and yeah. I, I think it's still there, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That place See, got, it's a small world. It huh? is a small world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. And also she worked, uh, along with Vernon Wolf, the mm. author of psychodynamics. So that, you know, working through the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my grandma's work, basically she compiled, um, all the stuff she studied, she studied nutrition, she studied hypnotherapy, she studied NLP, she studied, you know, all these modalities and mm-hmm. Chinese medicine. And, mm-hmm. and so she brought them together and that's what Kalos is, Kalos Transformational Healing, which is the modality that I practice. Kalos. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really amazed. 
And it's all rooted in applied kinesiology. So everything we do is muscle tested. Mm-hmm. And so... So talk is, a little bit about that, because there seems to be some confusion. Mm-hmm. I know. that's And that's... Okay, so so I have my arm up and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, just... Take, I'd love to talk about that. So, okay, so let's do that. All right. So muscle testing is okay. basically testing the relative strength or weakness of a muscle mm-hmm. in response to a stimulus. So whatever the stimulus is, I could have you think of bread. I could have you think of your mother. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is, is on a cellular level, there's electrical communication. I understand that. And so if it's just like a lie detector test. Actually, a lie detector test is muscle testing. Yeah. So, But they're just doing it with machine to monitor. And what's happening is when you tell the truth, your body contracts. Mm-hmm. It becomes strong. Mm-hmm. And when you lie, it, it actually becomes weak. And it starts to, you know, just kind of relax. So when I'm pressing on your arm, I could I could test any muscle in the body. And the reason why we test the arm is because you're isolating the latissimus dorsi muscle. Mm-hmm. And that muscle is a very large muscle spanning across mm-hmm. your back. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get the most range and see, you know, when I press on this muscle, mm-hmm. if the arm goes down, then that means that it's not contracting. Because if it was contracted, that's a pretty strong muscle. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. And so that's why we use that. And some people do finger testing and different things. And that takes a little more um, practice and also mm-hmm. being, I think, more in tune with, I want to know the truth mm-hmm. because it is subjective. And so a lot of the testing that we do, we do trigger point testing. So I'm testing for vitamin, mineral, and organ deficiencies, as well as emotions, spiritual imbalance, all that stuff, mm-hmm. ages, past lives. All these things that we can bring into the, you know, the matrix of our makeup because we're looking at the body as a biocomputer and we're trying to understand all the software. So it's, um, we're able to test all those things. And so we have to stay neutral. And the only way you stay neutral is staying in the belief that I want to know the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I get that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is obviously, you know, they don't use it in hospitals because it's hard to repeat it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there are, and, and I also am of the belief that different practitioners will get different answers and not that they're wrong. Yeah, I've wondered right? about that. And the reason why, yeah. this is my, my philosophy, yeah. <laughs> is that um, whatever I'm capable of helping you with in my realm of expertise, when I test you, um, it's going to bring up the things that I can support you with that are still their issues. Right, but let's say you go to my grandma and she tests you for something else that comes up. Well, her realm of expertise is different, and so there's you know different people. Will you're not going to be able to test someone to heal something that you can't well, address. Well, it is a it is holistic after all. Mm-hmm. So it's like when there's a healing when there's an interaction with two people, it's more than just one. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you know, and energy changes by the second. Right. Right. And in the practice of science of mind, I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with that. Okay, Ed, good. Ed, uh, what's his name? Uh, I know his name. Holmes. Yes, Ernest yeah. Holmes. Ernest Holmes. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a, I go to Seaside Center for Spiritual Living. Oh, I go there sometimes, too. Yeah, no, that's great. Also, I do a little plug because I produce Reverend Christian Sorensen's podcast mm. called JoyousPodcast.com. So, um, I brought it up for a reason. But it's just like it, it, a lot of it depends on what's going on in the mind, mm-hmm. and in cool. the science of mind, in its purest form, you don't have disease, you don't have cancer, you don't have any of that stuff. If you think you do, then you do. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yep. And that's exactly how I, uh, this is partially exactly how I healed myself of autoimmune disorder is that at some level, and this is also, you know, from the support of my doctor, Amy Chadwick, Mm -hmm. is that um, her belief and understanding of the body and mine is Mm -hmm. the same. So we're looking at the body like there's nothing wrong. It's not, it's not against you. And so if your thyroid is enlarged, it's because it's compensating for something else and it needs to do that so that you can continue to live. And so what we have to do is, is look at the, uh, the domino effect, kind of the cascade of what's happening in the body and heal it at the root. Because if, if the thyroid is enlarged, the thyroid doesn't act on its own behalf. It has Mm -hmm. to be, there's an instigation there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when we can understand where that's coming from, Mm -hmm. then we heal that piece of us. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then the, the thyroid could go back to functioning normally. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, we don't need inflammation to. in a sense. I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of disease and stuff that just everything comes with inflammation to some degree, and it's protective by nature. Mm-hmm. But it's not exactly what you want. You're welcome to have a, a sip of water. Oh, if you want. I appreciate it. I just thought about that. <laughs> so it's uh, all right. So now what we're going to talk about is your music. Oh, music. Yes. <laughs> There's a yeah. There's a oh, guitar funny. over there. I mean, you know, I I I I've worked most of my life in the music industry. Oh really? Uh huh. Oh fun. Well, you might want to come to my little room warming party then tonight. <laughs> Your what? It's a housewarming. I just moved to Del Mar. Oh great. And it's temporary yeah. for the summer, but um, we're having some friends over and yeah. we're gonna play some music. Oh nice. And um, I um, I told you I'm not a musician, but <clears throat> well, you can stop I saying love... that right now. <laughs> I love music and anybody that can play like even. Like it's spoons? Uh-huh. Musician. What are musicians? People that play music. Come it's on. true. Yeah, it is music. Okay, okay. Are, are you a professional? Probably No, I don't not. get paid. People would pay me not to play. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> Then um, you are professional. <laughs> I guess I am. Uh, but yeah, so I've got... Uh, I had a guitar given to me by my dad when I was 17 or mm-hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. And it was his when he was 17. Oh, nice. And so I still have that guitar with me. And I learned to play it really well before I was in the car accident. And then after the car accident, it just never was the same. But uh, the hand-eye coordination thing. But I can pick it up now, and I can play all the same stuff that I used to play. I just haven't really gone on to play more. Yeah. Um, and I played the piano a little bit, but it was always by ear. Um, I don't read music. Uh, I just really enjoy expression. Yeah, so what do you think music does for the healing process? Mm. It's vibration. Mm-hmm. It's vibration. It's it's tuning you, you know. It's definitely a heal healer. It's mm-hmm. tuning you. It's tuning you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, in indigenous cultures, <clears throat> people play. Indigenous cultures, people do art. Mm-hmm. We in our culture, you know, we have a tendency to think, oh, I could never play a music instrument. I could never be a painter. I could never do this. I could, you know, once again, it's all this stuff that starts up, you know, above yep, our it's neck. Mental. Yeah, it's crazy. And we can just do it. And I'm one of those types of people that I like to just do it. Yeah. So, so I'm right. the one that also talking in a British accent, like just given like new, new, uh, any kind of urge to do it it's like no i just do it it's i don't have to really worry about um being instigated yeah you know there's no context no no context and you've done acting too yes i've done acting and now that i'm in an accent it's really hard for me to come out of it but i'll just try no don't it's charming we love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Um, it sounds like all these things it sounds like you just live life yeah i'm just here and i i just 
I just show up. Yeah. I just show up. That's and, delightful. And it's, it makes life so much easier to realize that intelligence and all these things, everything's available to us in the moment if we can be present. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm a master at being present, I, but I definitely enjoy it and I definitely um, try to bring myself into it as much as possible. Yeah, that's great. Are you familiar with the work of Tara Brock? TaraBrock.com. TaraBrock.com. I'm going to look it up. Do you up. listen to podcasts? I do now. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. She has a really wonderful podcast. So it's, it's usually about an hour of a talk. And it's all about, she's Buddhist meditation uh, teacher, mm-hmm. very well known. She's, she's in my opinion, the best um, I've heard in 30 years. So, Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, short of maybe Ram Dass, listening to Ram Dass. Oh, I fun. love Ram Dass. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, I, I just mentioned it just because uh, I always like to plug stuff like this. So when people are listening, they go, oh, I think I'll write that down. Mm-hmm. I'll mention yeah. in the show notes. and you It's know. good to have. Yeah. I think it's, I think, you know, my main thing is I think people just need to slow down. Mm-hmm. Take some time. Like, I agree. The latest trend really in meditation is just take five minutes. Yeah. Don't have to sit for 20. Mm-mm. Just so people say they don't have time. You have five minutes. And you know, uh, something I like to add to that. Yeah, please. So I had a client the other day. Mm-hmm. And I and I asked him, you know, because he's very hyperactive and mm-hmm. um, struggles with ADD. And uh, we are working through him, you know, kind of mm, finding more peace and mm-hmm. uh, his abilities. And so he can tap into his focus and his intelligence. And, um, you know... I said, have you tried meditating? And he looks at me and he goes, I'm way too active for that. I can't do that. I can't meditate. And I go, okay. I'm like, well, let's try something really quick. And I have him lay down on the table and, and I tell him, I want you to just close your eyes for a second. And I said, and, and I want you to just become aware of the sounds, the sounds around you. What, what do you hear? Can you, can you tell me what you hear? And he goes, oh, I, I hear mostly cars. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, what else do you hear? And we just kept talking about it. And he was very focused. Mm. And so meditation isn't hard. And being present really isn't hard. It's just about bringing yourself into the present moment. What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you see? Mm. What do you feel? What do you feel emotionally? What do you feel physically? Is there temperature changes? Mm. Is there a breeze? Mm. You know, um, and that's meditation. Yeah. It's bringing yourself here. Yeah. So... I thought that was. I don't no, think he understood good. it. I think he still, at this point, is is confused why I, I did that. He's like, "Oh, why? Why would you have me listen to things?" But um, he's. I think he's more open now to yeah. to trying it out. Oh sure. Well, yeah. It's just instead of him talking him, instead of you talking him through it, it's him talking himself through it. Mm-hmm. It's really just a matter of discipline. Yeah, and discipline is so important. You know that's. One of the things that I learned from my grandmother is mm-hmm. this five stages of um, basically enlightenment. And the okay. first stage being yeah. lawlessness. This is where people just run amok. Like they don't have a care in the world for what happens to them and consequences. Um, and, you know, that's kind of prehistoric, but there's people like that. And the first level, and, and level not not in a hierarchy, but right. you have to go to one before you can go to the next. Mm-hmm. Um it would be discipline is the next level. So when you learn discipline, you put away lawlessness because now you've come into a practice and you see the value of being disciplined and, and acting this way. But there's still a void. There's still a why, you know. And so then 
the next level would be discovery of grace. And and when you think about this in terms of uh, philosophy and and religion, um, you, you know that's where I'd put like the Catholic Church discovery of grace. This is where their teachings point to is to help people realize you're forgiven. You can be forgiven. And um, and that's really beautiful. And so if you forget to be disciplined and you're in lawlessness in and out, you're forgiven. It's okay. And and then just keep remembering and coming back into your discipline. You know. Um, but then there's still a void. There's still more that you want to understand. And so the next would be um, a creation. It's like a co-creation where you realize like forgiveness is innate. You don't have to ask for it anymore. You can just be. You're actually co-creating your life and manifesting things on your own. Um, not on your own, but with everyone and all that is. And so, but you can't realize that when you're in lawlessness, that you're a creator, or in discipline, that you're a creator. Now you're in the, you're in the law, you know, and you have to get out of the law to realize that like the law is just there so that people can, can learn to become, to be for, that they forgive themselves and then they can become creators. And then beyond that would be the great I am. And very few of us ever reach it, you know. But so the types of institutions that I like to go to are ones that teach on a third level teaching, which is the creation. That's like seaside. Yeah. You know, that's a beautiful teaching because it speaks to that mindset that we are co-creators. Yeah. That I don't need the guilt and the fear and the shame and the blame to bring me into that awareness of who I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's beautiful. So it's one of my favorite things to work with with my clients too, especially just bringing them up that. Scale like okay, well, we just we gotta just learn discipline first because look at all this stuff that's beyond that. You're not gonna have to stay in this forever, but you're gonna have to learn the value of it. You know, it's like learning the value of money. <laughs> so that's energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, you've come a ways. <laughs> Do you have a single health tip? We we always like Ooh, to go a single health tip. Just one mm-hmm. thing. Just one thing that you think is a health tip that people would. Uh, could contemplate and imagine taking on something simple. Mm-hmm. Something simple? That could change their life. Yeah. Improve their life. Not change it, improve it. I like that. So I, I'd say that one of my uh, daily habits mm-hmm. is just listening to my body. So when there is any kind of discomfort, when there's any kind of um, anything that isn't totally positive, mm-hmm. just listening to it and asking it, what do you want me to know? And and really listening, and, and then you and know, really asking, really asking, and mm. wanting to know, mm. and being willing to do whatever it is that the body is wanting you to do. Not because the body is your master, mm. but because the body is a tool for understanding. It's a compass to mm. guide you towards your truth, towards your truth. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I when I have a little pain sometimes down by my gallbladder or something, I ask, I go, "What do you want me to know?" And it says, "I need you to exercise more." And then you just got to do it. And you got to say, okay, I'm going to go for a run today. And, and just listen, because your body knows. Your body is so wise. I know. I, you know, it's like, it amazes me that people have even a problem with that concept. Because just think about it. How in the world did we get to be where we are today? Because it's only been in the last couple hundred years that we had problems with food, problems with water, problems with, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, surgery, blah, blah, blah. Before that, much probably longer, we had nature. Mm-hmm. And we were in tune with ourselves. Indigenous cultures know that. Mm-hmm. And they, they wonder, how did these people survive without medication? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, wow, how do we survive with it? Because yeah. that's, then we give away our power. 
you know, mm-hmm. and when we can rely on something outside of us to take care of us instead of us taking care of us. Mm. Nice. Anything else you want to say? Mm. We'll wrap it up here a little bit. Well, what else do I want to say? I think, you know, the main point too in the work that I do is about healing the cause. And so it's not about, you know, and obviously I think this is like well understood in the holistic world, but for anyone listening that is not so keen on that, is um, understanding that um, symptoms are are here to point us towards a deeper message. But if you heal the symptoms or, or you get rid of the symptoms, let's say you take an Advil because you have a headache, then you're masking your body's speaking to you and you can't listen. So maybe it's telling you you're eating too much sugar. Mm. And how are you going to know that if you keep taking Advil? And then that's how you got diabetes. So it, it, I, like, I'm the type of person that I don't mask any of my symptoms. If I've got cramps, if I've got headaches, if I've got, then there's an issue and I need to listen, I need to act. And so, um, you know, obviously got to the point that I took medication for my thyroid because it had gotten to such an extreme, but right. I was doing the And that's the a work. proper use of... Yeah, and there is, because there is Absolutely. a balance. And I'm not against using medication now. I realize or I used to be. Or surgery when you need it. When, when you need it. Because sometimes the body gets to that point where you can't, you, know, you can't, it's less likely that you're going to heal it on your own mm-hmm. without some support yeah. because it's gotten to some, such an extent. But if you're willing to do the work and not just say, okay, I'm going to take this Advil and just keep eating and doing everything I'm doing mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I think this is from a blood sugar imbalance. I'm going to go on a three-week candida cleanse. And take an Advil. Go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I was going towards ending this episode, but I, I actually wanted to bring something up mm-hmm. for people. Because you, you put uh, the word Advil and um, I don't know if you said diabetes mm-hmm. in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. So this is just like a point of awareness for people. So can you explain that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, so... I mean, I, I think I know, but Yeah, go ahead. let me bring it up. So 95% of the reasons we have headaches mm-hmm. is blood sugar related. Mm-hmm. Now, would you also say it's also digestion? Oh, digestion is a big part of it for sure. Is it related to the blood sugar? Mm, yes, it okay. is. Okay, so I'll, I'll stop interrupting you and let you continue. <laughs> well, um, especially so in my case particularly, mm-hmm. and it's easier to talk about me just because that's where I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have so much anxiety in the past... It thank ran you. down. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Noticing. Um, in the past, I was run down. I run, wore down my adrenals. So mm-hmm. when my blood sugar drops, mm-hmm. it pulls um, energy from the adrenals because it's needing, and, and there's this whole cascade of how things work in the body. But what's basically needing to happen now is that if I lose, lose blood sugar balance, I'm needing to pull glycogen storages in the liver, which you know, 40% of protein is, is becomes, uh, it doesn't become sugar. Everything else you eat becomes sugar. So 40% of protein doesn't, it becomes glycogen in the liver and stored there so that when your blood sugar drops, you can pull from that reserve. But people with anxiety, Mm -hmm. people with, um, stress, stress and people with, which uh, is most people and adrenal fatigue, which is most people. Mm -hmm. If you have to wait uh, until your blood sugar drops and then it pulls glycogen, that is going to really strain your adrenals even more. Mm. So um, 
you know, that part of digestion of keeping the blood sugar at a normal rate, you know, most people with adrenal issues probably need to eat every two hours just to make sure that you don't have to dip into that glycogen storage. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And it's it's really supportive. Can I get you something to eat? Oh, I know. It's been a while. I did bring nuts. <laughs> Good. Um, and so, so yeah, so digestion and blood sugar, you know, hand in hand, needing to know, you know, how long things take to digest. You know, you don't want to eat protein within three hours of each other. So you're going to need to have other and food combinations, how you create enzymes. So yeah, it's very important. Good. Well, we, yeah. All right. I thought, I thought we were making a reference also to pain relief. Oh, pain relief. Right. So when you're getting a headache, eat protein. Yes. Don't take an Advil. Eat a pro- eat some protein right, because that's right. what's going to balance your blood sugar more. Yeah. 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 Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> You're welcome. I think you need to eat. So I think we'll close this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've done a health tip, and um, Jacqueline, mm-hmm. I really want to thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. It's been really yeah, really nice chatting yeah. with you. I want to share this one with a lot of people. It's what I do. That's what I like to do. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to listen to this episode if you know. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's good. We'll do another one and do yeah. talk about some more Kalo stuff. And I know yeah. we are talking about, there's so many tangents, like so many stories and so many things that we can yeah. go off on. So, Well, yeah, we're at uh, close to episode 50 with a total of about 60 or 70 healthcare practitioners over the last two years. Oh, that's great. And I'm making a public announcement here that um, Lisa and my intention is to get everybody together maybe sometime in August. Oh, great. Yeah. Because so, like I, I, one day I was going... We were talking about it. I go, wouldn't it be fantastic to get these everybody in the same room and, quite frankly, celebrate them being on this show and getting all these healthcare practitioners together and, you know, have a band and do a party and mm. uh, whatever. I, I like to dance. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Like, who doesn't? Anyway, so just everybody out there, show notes, alternativehealthtools.com. Once again, we have an app there, or you can subscribe on iTunes, um, iPhone, Android. And also, uh, we're also submitted and accepted and now um, free-flowing in Google Play Music. So if you have Android, you just go to Google Play Music and uh, do a search for Alternative Health Tools, and you will see us right there. And you can subscribe to the podcast there. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you.